Thank you for downloading or podcasting this track. This recording has been remastered to provide the best sound possible given the audio environment of the original recording session. Mosaic Silver Spring is a faith community located just inside the Capitol Beltway in Montgomery County. For more information, please visit our website, www.mosaicsilverspring.org, and we'll see you in the neighborhood. Good morning, church. My name is Kim Yeagle, and I'm going to be reading Ruth, chapter 1, verses 1 through 22, so you can follow along on page 4 in our uh, worship guide. You can also follow along in your own Bible or on the screen behind me. Ruth 1, 1 through 22. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, And a man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malon and Chilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died and she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other, Ruth. They lived there about ten years, and both Malon and Chilion died, so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she was with her two daughters-in-law, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you, as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, No, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb, that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, even if I should have a husband this night and should bear sons, would you therefore wait till they were grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is exceedingly bitter to me for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And she said, See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, She said no more. So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women said, Is this Naomi? 
She said to them, do not call me Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Pray with me. Dear Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you that it applies to our lives, that it is useful for teaching and rebuking. And Father, we pray for those of us who may be feeling bitter, like Naomi. We ask that you would open our eyes, Father, to the blessings that you have. We ask that you would minister to our hearts. Father, we ask that you would give words to Dan as he comes and brings your word alive to us and speaks to us. Father, would you use your word um, to minister to us? In your name I pray, amen. Thanks, Kim. What is one story that really captivated you? Uh, Maybe it's a book. What book could you just not put down? What movie or show could you find yourself rewatching again and again? What game can you replay even after you've beat it once before? Uh, Totally didn't plan this, but we heard Eric's top 10 list. Uh, And I hope that we can think through some of our own because I don't think it's... uh, that profound to say that stories are important. What is one story that really captivated you? There's a man uh, named Stephen Trumper. He is a writer, editor, and instructor at Ryerson University up in Canada, uh, and he is in their school of journalism. For Stephen and his wife, Judy, the story that they come back to repeatedly, even today, Uh, is actually a story found in a letter that he wrote to his wife. Uh, It's actually a story that he tells her up to almost 10 times a day uh, because Judy is battling with Alzheimer's. You see, the story that they come back to again and again is the story of their relationship and decades of marriage. In an article found in The Walrus, which is a Canadian magazine, Stephen Trumper shares about their marriage and how he began crafting that letter as soon as the diagnosis came in. At first, while they were in bed, he would recite the story, and she would grab his hand and squeeze it as a signal of relief when she was wrestling with deep anxiety. She was leaning in on him as he promised her, I will be your memory. And as time went on, Stephen recounts, uh, Judy and Steve met, dot, dot, dot. I would begin, and in almost every instance, Judy would react by reaching out and clasping uh, my waiting hand. In time, as Judy moved shockingly quickly from early Alzheimer's to middle and then to late stages, uh, she still frequently attempted to grasp my hand as I began to recite. 
She often missed, but it was gratifying to realize that the letter and I were still connecting with her. Again, of course, the power of stories are impactful. We know it, whether it's fictional or not. You empathize with the people in them. You feel their tension. You see their sacrifice. You celebrate the victories, cry in their losses. In these stories, we connect with one another. In them, we feel known and remembered, just like Judy and Stephen. You see, for the Trumpers, the story was a point of connection that transcended any intellectual list of facts and reminded them of their relationship together. It's important to keep that in mind uh, because for the next four weeks, we will be looking at the book of Ruth. And it's important because Ruth is more than just a history textbook that tells you the list of events. You know, it is a true story, but it is one that the author crafts and recites as a picture of struggle and loss. Yet at the, even in the midst of all of that, we see redemption and restoration. Reversals of, from sorrow to joy, from being empty to now feeling full. And even in this story, though God seemed to be absent, he was actually still there, still working through the lives of the community to bring great blessing to Naomi's family. Yet, this is not just a nice feel-good story to distract you from the pains of life. This story in Scripture uh, is not just to talk about past events. It is a story to uplift a nation in turmoil, even in the midst of surrounding enemies weighing in, even in the midst of brokenness and political strife, who is our king. You see, God was present and watching over his people. That is what the book of Ruth is really getting at. Even for us today, as we wrestle through our own lows, pandemic-related or not, here we get a glimpse of how God is present and at work even now. And so we'll open up our series in Ruth uh, in two points. One, honest lament, and two, extraordinary commitment. Honest lament and extraordinary commitment. You see, when the author opens up, he sets the opening scenes of the book of Ruth. Um, Right away, he is dropping some major red flags. Not just like subtle hints. He is blaring the sirens to show that something is not right. Again, he starts off by noting it is during the chaotic time of the judges, the tagline of which is the people of God did what was right in their own eyes. But more than just being in a chaotic time period, uh, the author is using the names to really just draw out the irony that something is wrong. They were in the town of Bethlehem, which is the house of bread, yet there was no food. They were experiencing famine. Elimelech, whose name means my God is king, he left the nation of God to live in enemy territory for food. In the midst of this, his wife 
named Pleasant or Happiness. His wife loses her entire family. And so, in just five short verses, we are left asking, where is God in the middle of all of this? That is the question that Naomi wrestles with. And that is what the author is guiding us through while recounting Israel's history. But before giving the answer, before quickly running away to the resolution, he, the author causes us to sit with Naomi and squirm for a little bit. But in doing so, we can understand the realities of lament and deep sorrow as we live in a complex life. He shows us what lament is. First, we see that lament is messy. As the conversation between Naomi, Orpah, and Ruth begin, they are on their journey back to the, uh, to the land of Judah. But while they were committed as a unit to go together, Naomi tells them to go back home. She says in verse 8, Go, return each of you to your mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. You see, on the one hand, Naomi is looking out for the good of her daughter-in-laws. They have dealt kindly with her, showing steadfast love. And so because of that, Naomi wants to spare them from a life of suffering as widows. She calls upon God to bless them as they have, ble- as they have blessed her and her family. Yet, on the other hand, uh, in a sense, Naomi is pushing them away. Ruth and Orpah are saying, no, uh, I want to follow you to your land. And yet she doubles down. Even though they want to continue showing steadfast love and care for Naomi, uh, Naomi uh, urges them, gives them an argument that they would be foolish not to agree with, as we see in verses 11 through 13. She wanted, Naomi wanted to be bitter alone. Why should you live this life Turn back, my daughters. Go your own way, for I am too old to have a husband. Would you therefore wait? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is exceedingly bitter for me, for your sake, that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. As she says in verse 13. Even when Ruth clings to Naomi in verse 14, Naomi mourns as they return home. She says in verse 21, I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. And she's saying that probably as Ruth is standing right next to her on their journey home. Lament is messy. Lament and sorrow not only cause tension between one another, but it also brings tension between Naomi and God. In one conversation, she can call upon God to bless Ruth and Orpah, but at the same time, she could say, God is the one who made me bitter. I am mourning because of God. The injustice that Naomi feels reverberates to the ones she loves and to the ones who love her. It reverberates to the God she trusts in, yet is angry towards. Lamenting, sorrow is messy. 
another dimension of lament that we see here is that lament is not just about information. You know, depending on how long you've been journeying in uh, the journey of faith, you've probably known some of the great promises of the Bible and about who God is. We've probably heard over and over again, God is in control. God works all things together for our good. God is a good God. These are true, but in lament, we are dealing with the gap between these great truths and our experience. Look at Naomi. Naomi actually has a really great understanding of who God is. She knows that God is in control of all things. That's why she could say, God has brought calamity upon me. And that is why she could say, may God deal kindly with you, knowing who God is and the loving kindness that Ruth and Orpah showed her. The answer to Naomi's bitterness and lament is not a a Theology 101 course. It's actually because Naomi knows who God is that she cries out angry and upset. One last thing about the bitterness and lament that Naomi faces is that it is in some ways uh, unexplainable. You see, the author does not allow for us to trace back and pinpoint where did Naomi's family go wrong? Oh, if only they went to a different country, not much, they would have been fine. Right? No, the author leaves no room for that. It is ambiguous. We don't know exactly why the, they, they were facing that reality of suffering. Was it because of some behavior or sin? Maybe, but maybe not. Life is not so simplistic where we can always retrace our steps to say, if only I did blank, everything would have been okay. And so as we look at a picture of lament, uh, the application for us this morning is to lament honestly. Because maybe some of you this morning are wrestling with the messiness and tension that comes with the season of sorrow. The story of Ruth gives you permission to feel that way. Again, maybe it's pandemic exhaustion with the strain of a new variant. Maybe it's relational strife amongst you and your family. Or feeling the burden of the laundry list of chores you have to do while on the brink of burnout. This is the complex reality of life. And God does not shy away from it, as we see here in this story. We hope that for all of you here whether joining in person or online. We hope that during your time here at Mosaic that you can have more than just a place where you can eat good food and attend fun events. We hope that Mosaic Community Church can be a place where you feel safe enough to share what really weighs heavy on you, that you can cry out and be heard, that you can wrestle with God alongside the people who care for you and who care for your good, be it through our community groups, through pastoral visitations from our leadership or any other venue that we have available for you. We pray that Mosaic can be a place where you can lament honestly. On the other hand, maybe some of you are not in a season of lament, but know someone who is. As the author of Ruth forces us to slow down in the messiness of Naomi's lament, the challenge is for you to first and foremost Avoid trying to fact-check or explain away their circumstances. 
Again, the picture of humanity here is not so simple. So we should avoid trying to simplify the realities of those around us. There might be a time to speak up and share truth down the road, but in the face of hardship and suffering, we're first called to understand, to enter into their story, and be with it in the messiness of it all. In the face of honest lament, it may be a reality that we, uh, that we may question, where is God in the midst of all of this? Naomi does that. We may do it too. While we might not know why things are happening the way it does, we can, we can still hope in the direction of the story. We can hope in and find connection through the trajectory of the story of Ruth, but even also more broadly in the story of Scripture as a whole. And it starts with an extraordinary commitment. In our honest lament, we can move towards hope through extraordinary commitment. As we look at how the story of Ruth is progressing, the direction of Ruth doesn't build like a, a, a high-budget blockbuster. We're not in the MCU here, but it's more like the sound of music. It's a slow burn, something that gradually moves forward. And here in chapter 1, hope nudges forward with Ruth's commitment to Naomi. Though Naomi feels alone and empty, grappling with heavy loss, Ruth is there. Not begrudgingly, but with unwavering commitment. See here in verse 14. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. This is not a slight on Orpah. She didn't do anything wrong. She actually took Naomi's words of wisdom to heart. The point here is to emphasize that it is a radical, extraordinary commitment that Ruth is doing towards Naomi. By saying that Ruth clung to Naomi, it is showing the continual loving kindness, the steadfast love that Ruth has already shown to Naomi. And it is telling us that that love is not yet over. Even when Naomi tries a third time to dissuade Ruth, to pull her away, to push her away, here is how Ruth responds. Starting from verse 16, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you, for where you will go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God my God. Where you die, I die, where, and there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. <clears throat> in this command, in this rebuke to Naomi, uh, Ruth is sharing her oath and her faith, her commitment to Naomi. We see Ruth's oath. It is that she will be with Naomi till the end of her life. We're not talking about Naomi's life. We're talking about the end of Ruth's life. Your home is now my home. Your people, my people. I, the only God I will follow is the Lord. Naomi already made it clear that there's nothing left for Ruth if she stayed, yet Ruth still stayed. 
She was an outsider, a widow, someone at the bottom of the social totem pole during that time period. Yet in love, she took the cost that came with committing herself to Naomi. Yet we also see Ruth's faith and all of that love that she is showing. It is grounded ultimately in Ruth's faith to the Lord. Just as Naomi knew that the Lord is God, he has control of all things, Ruth knew that as well. She knew this truth and was willing to give up her old life in Moab and commit to him. That is why Ruth would go as far as saying, I will die in the land of the Lord. Her ultimate commitment was not to Naomi, but to Naomi's God. That is why she can so sacrificially love Naomi. That is why Ruth can so sacrificially love Naomi. As we see this picture of Ruth's commitment, it nudges us forward because it models how God uses humans, human relationships to minister to his people. God was using Ruth to pursue Naomi in love and to bring blessing to her. But again, it does not just stop with Naomi. Even for us here in the 21st century, in the midst of our own lament, the story of Ruth nudges us towards a trajectory of hope because Ruth so elegantly models the oath and commitment of God to his people, ultimately through his son. Just as Ruth gave up the comfort of her homeland, Jesus Christ left the immeasurable riches of heaven to pursue us. He committed himself to humanity by taking on humanity, living in the midst of brokenness and sin. He trusted in the Father to carry out the plan that they had established before time began, and Jesus was so committed to us that he actually died in our place. He took the punishment that we deserved. His death and resurrection ensured that nothing, not even death itself, can separate us from him by faith. Ruth says, I will follow you as long as I live. In Jesus, we have his word, his oath that says, Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So for those of us in lament, those of us who wrestle with this tension, maybe you are angry with God, but feel this tension of knowing that you're not supposed to be angry. In the midst of all of that, have hope. God is not a fickle God. He will not be fed up with you. Like Naomi in the midst of her bitterness, may we pursue God in faith. Wrestle with him. Trust that he is committed to you infinitely more than Ruth could ever be committed to Naomi. And that is all by faith. We hope in this as we wrestle through the slow burn transition towards hope. You don't have to have it figured out right away. Maybe this uh, transition of moving from lament to hope. Maybe it's something you wrestle with for a long season of life. But the hope is that our security is not found in our ability to move ourselves from lament to, to feeling joy. It is grounded in 
a loving God who is committed to us, committed enough to die on our behalf. For those of us who are walking with those in lament, may this be a challenge to love sacrificially. May we be good listeners. As we deal with others, we might find angry outbursts. We may find things that are offensive, offensive towards you. But before being quick to react, can we commit ourselves to empathy and understanding in the pains of our neighbors? Can we commit to giving our time? Chances are that those lamenting will not magically get better in a month or two months or even a year. Can we commit to loving people over the long haul, giving of ourselves more than just when it is convenient? As we sacrificially love, can we sacrificially love in faith? This means that our ultimate goal is not to see results, is not for us uh, to feel good about ourselves for making a difference. Our ultimate goal is not even just meeting every need of those who are suffering. Instead, we love in response to the God who so graciously committed himself to us. Can we trust that God cares about our neighbors infinitely more than we ever can and that he is not sleeping on any of us. May that be a relief of pressure and may that be a motivation for us all as we may juggle on both ends of the spectrum as those suffering and as those walking with those who suffer. May we be a community, a church who loves sacrificially knowing the God who so sacrificially loved and gave himself for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for giving us the story of Ruth. Thank you for giving us um, just the space to recognize that life is complex and that we may go through seasons of sorrow and suffering. Lord, we thank you that you are a God so committed to us that even though we may try to push you away, even though we may um, just wrestle with the messiness of it all relationally uh, and even internally, we thank you that, God, you are a God so committed to us. So be, be with us here today. Meet us here. Nudge us towards the hope that we have ultimately in your Son, in whose name we pray. Amen.